My guest in episode 54 of Larry Dowdy Mike's Side is my radio pal, Kenny Shelton. And this episode is everything Elvis. Kenny has always been my go-to guy when it comes to the king. And in this episode, we're going to talk about Elvis, the movie, the soundtrack, Elvis in movies, and his music. Kenny Shelton, welcome back to the podcast. Larry, Daddy, sir, thanks for having me back. I appreciate this. When did you decide you liked the King so much, uh, you too would uh, do his music at special appearances? Well, the uh, the Magic Age was five years old. Uh-huh. It was the year that Elvis did the 68 TV special, the one people see where he's wearing the black leather suit. Sure. And that that's when I became the fan. And that's when I realized, you know, this guy's great. I love this guy. And ironically, when I got in first grade, I did my first Elvis tribute show for my first grade class pretty much the very next year. Uh, so I started my schooling in first grade doing an Elvis show. And then as a senior at Jefferson Forest, I wound up doing another Elvis tribute show to the to the thrills of my classmates. So, uh, yeah, the 1968 five-year-old Kenny and 1968 Elvis comeback special. Wow. Was Elvis's music hard to perform or was it? Uh, the Elvis moves that were the biggest challenge? The the music was more complicated as he got later into his career. So if you're on stage doing Hound Dog and Jailhouse Rock and Don't Be Cruel and All Shook Up, you're fine. But if you try to sing American Trilogy in my way Mm -hmm. in his version of The Impossible Dream and Bridge Over Troubled Water, sometimes that was a bit more than a 15-year-old Kenny Shelton could handle. So so I definitely lean more towards the 50s songs that uh, people loved anyway and, and, and the more complicated stuff uh, had to wait for my voice to mature a bit more for an, for an attempt at that let's talk a little bit about this movie that uh, everybody is talking about i know you and i discussed it in uh, in a text or two uh, elvis the movie directed by baz lerman do you think he nailed the story of elvis through colonel tom parker's eyes that's the key thing right there you put that question perfectly because if people see that film they need to realize this is an, a reimagining of the Elvis story through the eyes of Colonel Parker, who at the beginning of the film we see is in a sad state of health. He's, he's basically on morphine uh, for pain, and he's remembering all his life with Elvis. So if you go watch the film and remember, this is Colonel Parker's memories of Elvis, uh, and they get foggy. And that kind of lays the groundwork for a Baz Luhrmann film about Elvis that reimagines an awful lot of Elvis's career, to be honest with you, Larry. I've said about this film, it's a great movie that just happens to be about Elvis because there's an awful lot of, um, cre- uh, we call it artistic license or creative license taken here. If you're watching it for a biography, a genealogical story of Elvis, chronological, it's not that, but it is a great film. As an Elvis fan, I loved it. And knowing, though, that the artistic license thing was going to happen helped me enjoy it more because I wasn't expecting things to be perfect as the facts were. Kenny, was part of the challenge for Baz Luhrmann, was part of the challenge there covering 20 years and also finding the right cast? Yes, absolutely. I mean, when we, the first name I heard associated with the film was Tom Hanks as Colonel Parker, and I thought... Now you've got my attention. You've got an Academy Award-winning actor playing in an Elvis film. I'm going to see this film. 
I didn't know Austin Butler, but what I saw early on of the, uh, the visions, the images of him, I thought, okay, close enough. I'm good with that. Uh, the casting was, was I think, spot on. Um, I, I felt like, again, liberties were taken. But I, I look at it this way. In that film, they had a theme, and the theme kind of was Elvis and the influence that the black community and black music had on Elvis. That really did run, th run throughout the film. And I know it did, and I know Elvis you know, was, was greatly influenced by what he heard growing up from rhythm and blues and gospel and all that. But the way it played out in the film was not entirely accurate, but it kept with the theme of Elvis, the black community, the black music, the culture, the soul, the rhythm, all that Elvis got from that. And uh, I think he accomplished that. It's a Baz Luhrmann film. People need to remember that. The guy that made Moulin Rouge made it, made an Elvis movie, okay? Yeah, well, well that, that's true. I think my biggest surprise in the movie, I was not aware Elvis and B.B. King were that close. See, there you go. There's Hollywood for you because guess what, Larry Dowdy? They were Elvis and BB King were not that close. <laughs> but wouldn't it be cool if they were? Oh, See, yeah. that, that that that's a recurring theme in the film. Elvis didn't seem trouble at that at that that uh, Russellwood Park concert, July fourth, nineteen fifty six. The song wouldn't be written yet. He didn't sing the song for two years later, but wouldn't it be cool if Elvis sang Trouble at that concert event? Because yeah. it suited the scene perfectly. So that's going to be the thing with this movie. It's like B.B. King and Elvis were cordial, respectful, but they did not hang out on Bill Street like the movie portrayed. So you, as a huge Elvis fan, I take it you were all in with Austin Butler? I mean, uh, even, even in the previews, I thought, is he going to be able to do that? And then about 10 minutes into the movie, I'm going, you know, he may hit this one out of the park. I, I like that because is it fair to say you're an Elvis fan, but not quite an Elvis nut like I am? Is that a fair assessment? <laughs> okay, yeah. In a polite uh, okay, sort of right. way. <laughs> right, exactly. So what I mean by that is for, from you, for you to say that from, from a, a fan's perspective, is is great because for me from a super duper crazy elvis fan yeah i bought in and in my thinking he became the best actor ever to portray elvis in this film now keep in mind he was the actor that also had the film with the greatest budget ever for an elvis film this film had a budget of like 85 million dollars i mean there was there was nothing that they needed that they didn't get but the kid nailed it he really did uh, up until this point, gosh, Kurt Russell had been thought of as one of the top Elvis actors of all time, or a guy named Jonathan, Jonathan Reese Myers, who did a, a nice Elvis and actually won an award for his Elvis movie back uh, several years ago. It was a TV movie. But yeah, Austin Butler, I mean, Larry, uh, you were right in, to see that in the film and and wonder if he was going to nail it because as the movie got on, I think his Elvis got better. Well, and I'm I'm sure uh, Taylor Rodriguez he he couldn't free up his schedule, and that's why <laughs> they didn't look his way. I, I don't know. Yeah, and that, that was another thing. A lot of the Elvis fans really thought, why not just pick an Elvis tribute artist and have him be Elvis? But those guys do a great Elvis, and Taylor is an exception because he's also a, a great actor. But for the most part, they needed someone that had the acting chops first, and then they could bring into it the music and the moves and all the Elvis stuff. And I think they helped him along, of course, with hair and makeup. But uh, And some people that review the film say Austin didn't look much like Elvis, but 
he looked enough like Elvis sure. and he acted enough like Elvis and talked enough like Elvis to, to sell me just like you that he, in fact, uh, I believe he was Elvis for a couple of hours. How about Olivia de Jong, who played Priscilla? Uh, how was her performance in this movie? Her performance was very good. And I'm so glad you brought that up because you have to remember this film was essentially a commercial for Elvis Presley Enterprises, a commercial for, for Elvis, for Graceland and all that. And Priscilla is central to that story because as, as fans know, she basically saved Graceland, saved the estate, uh, turned Elvis Presley Enterprises into the multi-million dollar a year industry that it is. Again, Priscilla in the film was shown in places Priscilla was not, but wouldn't it be cool if she was? Wouldn't it be cool if she gave Elvis that kiss before he went out on stage for the 68 special and a kiss before he went out on stage in Las Vegas? Wouldn't that be cool if he did that? So again, a lot of reimagining, but for a guy who took creative license on the storyline, he was so detailed as Lerman on the look of Priscilla, the wardrobe of Priscilla, and with Elvis, with all the cast. He even got the color of Elvis's first pink Cadillac exactly right. The color in that car was a darker pink than the one he would get later because the one they show in the film actually burned up because they didn't put enough oil in it. The car burned up, so they got another pink Cadillac. But, yeah, uh, to answer your question about Olivia's performance, it was really good. And it needed to be because it needed the approval, I think, of Priscilla and those with the Elvis Presley Enterprises situation. That, that film, it was a great film. It was a great film that just happened to be about Elvis, I think. Uh, it's almost a superhero film where Elvis is your superhero and Tom Parker is your evil villain. So it kind of kind of played that way, I think. Don't you think? Well, as you mentioned that, I'm thinking Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker, was he the villain or did he feel he was the victim through all this? There's a, there's a part of the film, and again, this did not happen, <laughs> but Tom Parker, played by Tom Hanks, actually comes up to the stage in the wings of the stage. And as Elvis has taken his applause from the audience, the colonel actually takes a bow. A bow no one sees him take, but in his mind, I created this. This is me. Why aren't you clapping for me? Because I made Elvis. I made all this. I'm the one making you happy. Why not clap for me? I'm the colonel. Uh, but in fact, the movie goes a little overboard on some scenes on, on the cruelty of Colonel Parker or the meanness in him. But yeah, I mean, if, if you go villain versus a hero, certainly Parker falls more into the villain category in the Elvis story. But like we said in the previous Larry Data podcast, Elvis could have always said no to Colonel, but he said yes too many times. It was just too trusting of the man, and the Colonel did take advantage of that. Was Colonel Tom Parker the snowman? Could he promote anybody like Elvis? Of course, look what he did to Hank Snow in his career. Uh, but for uh, Colonel Tom Parker, was he really good for Elvis? He was good for Elvis. And I think one of the reasons we're talking on, in 2022 about a man who passed away in 1977 is because of the image that Colonel Parker helped create in Elvis. And that was an image of, okay, you've got your rock and roll singers, you've got your movie stars, but Elvis is a cut above. So Elvis was never overexposed by the Colonel. Elvis always, uh, you know, was shown on screen for so many years. The only way you could see Elvis was buying a movie ticket. And then in the 70s, the only way you can see Elvis is to buy a ticket to a concert. He wasn't on the Johnny Carson show. He wasn't on Laugh-In. He wasn't doing, I don't think Larry King was around then, doing that kind of show. But he didn't overexpose Elvis. He had an image of Elvis. And of course, Elvis 
was the great talent. The Colonel said this. I just promoted that Elvis was the product. But the, the, the marriage between the two, you just can't argue with the success. He did help Elvis more than he hurt him, but he could have done more for Elvis, especially the last four or five years of his life. We're talking to Kenny Shelton, everything Elvis on Larry Doughty, Mike's side. Kenny, in episode 53 of Mike's side, I interviewed Sammy Oakey about Paul McCartney turning 80. And we talked about the Beatles and how they affected Elvis's career. Now, Sammy mentioned that John Lennon felt that Elvis going into the army is what may have tanked part of his career, Elvis's career. Your thoughts on that? The movie does a really good job of showing just how negative the press was towards Elvis. And with the moves on the Ed Sullivan show and the only show you from the waist up situation, Colonel and Elvis really had a problem because radio stations were going to cut back on his airplay. Civic groups wanted him arrested. And the Colonel and Elvis just wanted to make a living. So, and I understand John Lennon saying what he said because a lot of fans feel the same way. But in order to make Elvis more mainstream, to make Elvis more appealing to not just the teenagers, but their parents and their, and their grandparents, they needed Elvis to become more mainstream and still keep a little bit of an edge. So uh, I disagree with, with John Lennon. That was the end of Elvis. Elvis did so much more after the army. My goodness. I mean, so many great performances happened after that. And with songs like It's Now or Never and Are You Lonesome Tonight?, uh, he just found a mass audience that he would not have had if he'd kept on singing Jailhouse Rock his whole career. Sure. So, so the, the, it was important to get Elvis into the stratosphere of becoming, at one point for many years, the highest paid actor in Hollywood. So take that, John Lennon. <laughs> you know, though, if Elvis were still here today, good chance over the years there would have been a duet with at least Paul McCartney. You know what? I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because because th those were the missed opportunities that Elvis could have had if, if he'd only lived longer. I mean, again, like I said earlier, Colonel wanted Elvis uh, cut above the rest, but so he wouldn't really mix with the other artists. Elvis would be a, a solo star, of course. But can you imagine uh, Elvis and Paul McCartney on a song together? Elvis and John Lennon on a song together? Elvis and Barbra Streisand on a song together? That could have happened if that movie, A Star is Born, had been made with Elvis instead of Chris Christopherson. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that would have been a part of his career that would have found a new level of, of number one hits. Elvis, the duet series. <laughs> now, they did that They did that posthumously. We have that with Elvis and Martina McBride singing Blue Christmas and, and, and Carrie Underwood and Elvis singing together. But, of course, it had to be done through the magic of audio technology years after Elvis is dead. Yeah. Near the end of the movie, uh, I was looking as quickly as I could at all the clips of the concerts and what have you. And, of course, it was getting near the end, so we know how the end of the movie was. Uh, but near the end, you see some quick shots of Roanoke and Woodrum Field limousine. I mean, that was actual footage, correct? That was the first night I saw Elvis, April 11th, 1972. While all that was going on at the airport, little Kenny Shelton was at the Civic Center waiting for Elvis to perform. But that was how to greet the fans. And then the, the mayor at the time was at Roy Weber, by any chance, maybe. Yeah, good the mayor chance, yeah. So Roy Weber's on Elvis's little plane uh, giving Elvis a, a floral guitar saying that was his gift. He gave Elvis a key to the city. And all that was in that documentary, Elvis on Tour. So that... For Roanoke will ever, Roanoke will always be a part of Elvis uh, culture now because of that. Now, back to the Elvis movie, the soundtrack, 
has a lot of Elvis remixes. Is there a, a whole new youthful audience who will get to appreciate Elvis Presley 2022 style? That is the hope of, I'm sure, the producers of the soundtrack and the movie and the whole project. And it's actually my hope as well, because I downloaded that and I do have access to all that now. And I got to tell you, I was impressed. It turns out the best performances on that album are by a guy named Elvis Presley. <laughs> <laughs> but but, 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 but to, get, to get the other people involved, uh, it was very nice. Uh, there's a version of Can't Help Falling in Love by Casey Musgraves that is, is nicely done, sort of a reimagining of Can't Help Falling mm-hmm. in Love. A main skin that does If I Can Dream with a little Elvis assistance at the end. One, one thing I've been a little, I think that they've been too hard on Austin Butler because some of his vocals are in the soundtrack for the album. Austin himself singing Trouble, Austin's version of Pound Dog. And I think Austin did just fine on those. As you know, in the film, it was Austin Butler's vocals that we hear during the 50s time. Mm-hmm. Elvis, Austin is singing Baby Let's Play House and That's All Right Mama and Hound Dog as well. I, I think he does fine. People have been a little too critical of Austin. But yeah, I think the soundtrack's going to be an award winner. I love Elvis's music remixed. As you know, the big hit, a little less conversation became a big hit with JXL years and years ago, kind of bringing Elvis back to the forefront. Anytime you can bring the king back, I'm very good with it. Let's talk Elvis in pictures. Was the colonel helping Elvis's career or stretching what he did best, his music, and maybe Elvis too thin? Uh, as far as the movies go, I think... I think the Colonel actually did some good things early on for Elvis. He had some offers to make some films in the 50s that Colonel turned down probably wisely because he put Elvis in those vehicles that he excelled in. Love Me Tender, Elvis was actually a co-star in that, his first film. But that was good. That was a good debut. And then Loving You was the perfect movie. Jailhouse Rock, the perfect movie. And then, of course, King Creole goes down as... I think on everyone's list is Elvis's best movie with Walter Matthau as one of his co-stars in that. I think the Colonel turned down some roles that other actors got probably to protect Elvis and make sure they didn't have any problems in the beginning of his career. Uh, later on, of course, and the, the bad thing about the movies is Elvis himself was not a fan. You know, he called his movies in the 60s Presley travelogues and wasn't as proud as we wish he had been of the movies. So if Elvis had seen the Baz Luhrmann movie, chances are he may or may not have liked it? Uh, you know, I don't, I, it's hard to say because Elvis comes out as the hero in this film. He probably think, well, man, I'm wearing a cape and looking good. All right, man, you did good, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> but the people that have a problem with it are some of the family members. Elvis had a cousin, Billy Smith, and his wife, Joe. They have a YouTube channel, and they were not fans of the film because they didn't get the memo that Baz Luhrmann does a lot of artistic license in his film, and it was more of a artistic piece than it was a biography. And they were upset that certain people that were central in Elvis's life were left out. And I can't disagree with them, but at the same time, you got to get with the program. This is all to promote Elvis, to bring him to a new generation. And if it looks cool and it's not too far off the way history went, let's just go with that. It's my, my way of thinking. But, but, that, but what happens is basically there are two camps in the Elvis world. There's the Priscilla camp, and then there's the rest of the family. And the Priscilla camp is the one that says, you know, I know Elvis and I split up, but we remain very close. And Elvis got very sad after we passed after after we broke up, and then he passed away shortly after that. It's basically 
the short telling of that story. Well, those there with Elvis, his family and friends, knows that Elvis was not the sad guy, despondent and just sad. He was happy. He was looking forward to the future. He had some of his most fun times after the divorce with buying the Lisa Marie plane and making plans. And obviously, Linda Thompson was a big part of his life for several years. And his fiance, Ginger Alden, who were not represented in the film. You can imagine why Priscilla was closely involved in the film. And she was the star in Elvis's life as far as the women go. So uh, I think some of the family not happy with the film and also not happy they were not invited to the premiere in Memphis, Tennessee, for whatever reason, I don't know. Kenny, can you believe August 16th is the 45th anniversary of his death? Could Elvis's fans, and many of us asked this question, could Elvis's fans have saved him had they known what he was going through? Oh, boy, that, that would be so nice if, if, if nearly the fans could have saved him. But, uh, in fact, you, it was said at his death, how do you protect a man from himself? And so as much as they loved him, they couldn't have saved him. No one really could have saved Elvis. He, he, Honestly, Larry, there's a book called Elvis Presley, Destined to Die Young. I would encourage your listeners to, to check out. It's a medical look at Elvis and the problems he had really all his life, long before he became uh, the biggest uh, entertainer on the planet. And I think he was destined to die young, maybe not necessarily at 42. What the fans did for Elvis that was great was they loved him. And, and also that did kind of hurt because no matter what, they were there for him. Yeah. You know, El- Elvis was not in the best shape and he knew it. He was so overweight and having some issues later, but the fans still came out in troves. I mean, they came out to sell out all these shows. So Elvis is what would be his inspiration for getting in shape? It's not going to help business. Kenny, I always love it to talk Elvis with you. We used to do it when we were uh, on the air together. And uh, before we close up shop here on everything Elvis, I do want to mention you and your wife, Judy, have a show on WLNI. I used to be on there, didn't I? Oh, yeah, I did. I think you, I do know you did. You did, and you did a great job all those years, man. I can't believe it's been almost two years since I retired from there. But you and Judy do a show on Saturday morning. Uh, tell our podcast listeners a little bit about that. Oh, man, thanks so much, Larry. Yeah, it's a show called At Home, and it is all about the home, all about the design of your home, improvements on your home, the garden in your home, and also the most important thing in your home, which is you, so we do a section called Live, which is all about uh, health advice, health trends, health. Uh, th- hopefully things that will help you with your health in your home. And the show is on Saturday mornings at 9 on 105.9 WLNI, WLNI.com. It's presented by Home Magazine. So we, we enjoy uh, spreading the word and, and sharing stories and having experts on each week to help people uh, with their homes. And I'm sure every now and then there's an expert who can tell you how to put a TV antenna on their roof. Yeah, that, that guy is actually one of the co-hosts of the show. That would be me, Larry Dowdy, because when I see Elvis on TV, I want it to be over the air with my antenna. Oh, I love it. I really do. Well, it's always great having you join me as a guest on the podcast, Kenny Shelton, and I really appreciate you uh, being on, talking about uh, your favorite, my favorite, Elvis Presley. Thank you. Thank you so much, Larry Daddy. Always a pleasure to spend time with you and you. Keep it Elvis, man. Keep it Elvis. I appreciate you joining me for Larry Dowdy Mike's Side and episode 54 with Kenny Shelton talking everything Elvis. If you like Mike's Side, follow us wherever you download your podcast. And be sure to share this podcast with someone by simply clicking on the share button. There's a new episode every other week. I hope you'll join me next time for Larry Dowdy Mike's Side. See you then.